Good morning, everybody, and uh, happy Easter. You know, there's a tradition that uh, some of you may have grown up with. I certainly didn't, but it's become familiar to me in the last number of years where you turn, and this is what we would do if we were all together in the sanctuary right now. Uh, we'd have this little moment where we would turn to each other and we would say, what? That's right. We would say, he is risen. And then the answer uh, from the other person would be what? He is risen indeed. So you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and do that together right now? And uh, let's say it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I just think it's incredible. It's, uh, and I'll use the word uh, that I always use when I think about the resurrection. It's absolutely magical that we live in a universe, in a reality, where God sent his son uh, to live, to be born as one of us, to die, uh, a death that had this atoning significance to draw us to him. And then that he raised him from the dead as a preview of all that we would know uh, through faith in him, that death isn't the final winner in all of this. What does it mean to live in a universe where Jesus rose from the dead? Or maybe ask the opposite question, what would it mean to live in a universe where there were no Jesus, where Jesus hadn't died, where there were no resurrection from the dead? Well, in a moment, we're going to uh, think about these things, think about the resurrection with Pastor Rusty. But for now, let's just bow our heads and thank God for the, the universe that we do live in and that we get to celebrate that today. Let's pray. Our Father God, uh, what an extravagant gift. What a gift of all gifts that uh, we get to be alive today that we get to celebrate uh, a reality, a historical occurrence of your Son having died for us, for our sins, so that we can come close to you, and that you raised him physically from the dead. That's what this holiday is. We thank you that we get to experience, we get to share, we get to celebrate that. And we pray now that uh, your Holy Spirit would enable us to reflect on it, uh, to take it in, uh, to be so affected by it that we would just step from this moment in a way that is just more in keeping, more cognizant, more uh, appropriate to the universe that you've placed us in, where Jesus rose from the dead. We pray in his name. Our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, New Life Church. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Welcome here this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't we start off this uh, glorious day with a few worship songs. Cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands and feet, my Savior on the cursed tree. Body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down. Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still, and all Praises. 
time we get to spend together in worship you we're so grateful and so thankful for what you've done for us the fact that you've overcame death and you rose from it and gave us an opportunity for salvation and eternal life and, and forgiveness of sins for that we are eternally grateful lord i pray for for rusty and what you've laid on his heart this morning that you may speak through him and that your words may be heard in the way that they're meant to be in Jesus' name, amen. This is the account of the resurrection of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he had been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for God. Who? Jesus? Jesus. Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen. Just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. 
There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus said, had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubt, of them doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, to the very end of the age. May God bless the reading of his word. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning, New Life Church. Jesus is alive. Happy Easter. I'm just so glad that we can join together this morning um, on this special day, even if we have to do that virtually, me talking into this camera, which laughs at none of my jokes, and then you through your screen are receiving this, laughing at none of my jokes. I think we're about in week four here of online church, uh, and it's high time for a shout out to Nathan Youngstra. You don't see Nathan because always, he's always behind the screen instead of in front of the screen. But Nathan single-handedly records and edits and uploads all of our online services. And so he's just put in a ton of work, especially this week with multiple services. And so thank you so much, Nathan. I see him blushing up there. Oh, isn't that cute? Anyway, church, I just encourage you to find a way to express your appreciation to Nathan uh, for all the work he's doing to make this possible. Now, normally on an Easter Sunday morning, this whole room would be full of people. Uh, and, and there would just be this buzz, this electricity in the room, and the worship would be loud and upbeat, and there'd be a lot of people that were here maybe for the very first time, family, friends, maybe those from our community that just think that church might be a good place to be on, on Easter Sunday. And so if you're joining us this morning online for the very first time, we're so glad that you found us. Uh, we hope you're blessed this morning, and we also hope that when we can gather together again, and yes, we will do that at some point, that you might come and experience what happens here, uh, because it's a lot better in person, even if you have to wear pants, okay? We don't have many rules at New Life Church, but one of them is you got to come clothed. Anyway, it takes a special day for me to put on pants at 6 in the morning, but today was one of those days, this morning at 6.30, myself, my family, we joined many of you in the parking lot here at the church, and we welcomed the sunrise and celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ by just having a time of, of worship and prayer and scripture together, and that was just such an awesome, memorable uh, experience, so thank you to all of those uh, of you who got up early and, and you came on out here uh, this morning. How are you passing the time during this quarantine? If you're a bookworm, 
you're probably doing okay, right? Just tucking your nose into books. If you're like me and you're a sports fan, this has been a really tough thing, okay? Really hard. So for you spouses out there who live with a, a sports fan, just, just give us some extra grace and understanding uh, during this time. It's really quite hard. There's only so many times you can watch Joe Carter hit that World Series winning home run before that kind of gets old. Uh, or, or maybe you are watching more movies than you normally would. There's a movie that many of you maybe have seen called Shawshank Redemption. It came out in the 90s. I think a picture of the poster here up on the screen. And the caption on this movie poster says this, Fear can hold you prisoner. Hope can set you free. Now, this is a movie really about the power of hope. The main character's name is Andy. It's set in the 1940s. Andy is convicted of murdering his ex-wife and her lover, and he's sentenced to two consecutive life terms in Shawshank State Penitentiary. It's this prison that's full of people that are doing life there. It's a dark, gloomy, depressing place, and pretty much everyone has given up on life except for Andy. Because Andy finds a way to stay full of hope. Now in the movie, he has this poster on the wall of his cell. It's a poster of a a woman, Rita Hayworth, who uh, was a starlet, a Hollywood celebrity at that point. And, And to Andy, that poster represented life on the outside. And he had this hope, this undying hope, that he was going to get back out and live life on the outside again. So underneath this poster on his wall, uh, day by day, he was digging a tunnel out. Every day for 25 years, Andy would scoop out just one little scoop of dirt. And over 25 years, he dug this tunnel. uh, And one day, he took off that poster and he escaped to life again on the outside. Now, the, the movie ends with Andy writing a letter to a friend where he says, hope is a good thing. It might be the best thing. And the final words of that movie are these. I hope I can make it across the border to the new life he had planned for himself in Mexico. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope. And hope is a, is a powerful thing, isn't it? Like hope can cause a person to press on, can find joy in even the most difficult circumstances. What is hope? What is hope? Hope is the belief that something better lies ahead. Hope is the belief that the future is better. When a person can't see a better future for themselves, hope dies. And when hope dies, we despair, we give up. To use kind of a sports analogy, uh, for those of you who are Jets fans before they suspended the season, if you're like me, as the season was coming to its climax, you might check the standings every day to see how the Jets are doing with their playoff hopes. They're jockeying with a few other teams vying for that last one or two playoff Spots And as you look at the standings, you see all these different columns. Wins, losses, win percentage, goals against, goals for. But there's one column that's really the most important. It's a column called games behind. Now, under that column, there's a number. And that number represents how many games behind a playoff spot a team is. So the smaller that number, the closer they are to that playoff berth. And and the bigger that number gets, the further they are away from getting that playoff spot. And through the season, that number uh, gets less and maybe grows until a point, maybe, when that number turns into the letter E, which stands for eliminated. No hopes of the playoffs. Eliminated. And when that happens, when there's no hope for a better future, whether you're a fan or whether you're, you're a player, you just give up. You give up. There's nothing left to play for. Hope dies. You know, people don't despair in life because their present is hard, because they don't experience good in the present. People despair because they don't see a good future for themselves. So let me ask you the question, what does your future look like? How do you feel this morning when you look ahead? 
would you say this morning that you're full of hope? Or, or might you have a tough time seeing something good up ahead? You might even feel this morning like you're hopeless. How do you feel when you look to your future? Let me ask you another question. Um, if I would tell you that there was something that if it were true, would be a bottomless well of hope that you couldn't exhaust and a flame that nothing could extinguish, what would you say? Well, you'd probably say, I would really like to know that something. I want to know what that something is. Now, the good news is, I can tell you what that something is. Easter is that something. Easter, we're gonna find out this morning, is hope. Now, the Bible actually uses an interesting term to describe this hope. Peter, one of the followers of Jesus who witnessed his crucifixion and his resurrection, wrote a letter called 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, it reads like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Did you hear it? Peter says that God has given us new birth into a living hope. Isn't that interesting? A living hope. Obviously, Peter is trying to distinguish this kind of hope from another kind of hope, which we might call perishable hope, a hope that can fade away, it can end, a hope that can die. I remember years ago, the very first wedding I conducted, I was a young, nervous pastor. It was this beautiful setting outside. We were getting ready for this this, uh, wedding service, and they had been calling for a good chance of rain that day in the sky. Guy looked kind of gloomy like it could rain and I remember the mother of the bride insisting no it's not gonna rain it just won't rain that wouldn't happen today well it didn't rain until five minutes before the service when everyone was seated there on this lawn and all of a sudden it didn't just start to, to, to sprinkle it just poured buckets and everybody scattered everybody got soaked it, it was just a terrible experience in that moment hope died, okay? Perishable hope, like, like a flame that if you get enough wind, it will extinguish that flame. Now, that's really what we might describe as hope. That, that perishable hope is really the only kind of hope there was until God did a new thing. He gave us new birth into a living hope. So I want you to picture one of those candles, those trick candles, maybe you've seen them on a birthday cake, uh, and when they're lit, someone tries to blow them out, and it might flicker for a second, but then the flame comes back. And so the person blows harder, but they can't get rid of the flame, and they blow as hard as they possibly can, but nothing can extinguish that flame. It keeps coming back. To me, that's a great picture of living hope, a kind of hope that no matter what happens, it doesn't die. It perseveres. A hope that no circumstance can extinguish. That's living hope. Now, what brings about this living hope that God gives to us? Well, Peter said that God has given us new birth into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So today we celebrate, Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A few weeks back, if you've been tracking with this series we're in, we actually did a message on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and we talked about what that resurrection meant and why it is that we believe in the resurrection and and why that makes all the difference uh, to us. Um, what, what, 
Peter is saying here, though, is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives to us a hope that cannot end, a living hope. When Jesus came to life, so did our hope. But what is it about the, the, the resurrection, okay, that, that offers us this living hope? Uh, Peter continues there uh, in verse four of, of chapter one when he says, God has given us new birth into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So what is this living hope? Well, Peter says it's an inheritance, an inheritance that is kept waiting for us to receive at some point. Now, now, what is an inheritance? Um, an inheritance is, is something that belongs to you, but you don't have it yet. It's, it's something that is your possession, and yet you don't possess it yet. An inheritance. Uh, Paul talks about this, uh, this inheritance in Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. Uh, the words should be up on your screen there. Romans 8, 24 and 25, which says this, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So Paul says, we as Christians, we have this hope. In other words, there is something that we are eagerly awaiting that we don't yet have have we have a hope and and we have this thing in the future that is coming what is this hope what is this future well he talks about that if you just back up in Romans chapter 8 verse 23 he says not only so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of God's spirit we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. So what is our hope? He says the hope we have is the redemption of our bodies. Hmm, what does that mean? If you back up even further to verse 11, he says this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. In other words, if Jesus rose from the dead, that life he experienced, we too will experience. And just in case you, you weren't really sure what, what that meant, and you thought that might be kind of metaphorical, he says, God will give life to our mortal, our fleshly bodies. So, so here, Paul is saying, our hope as Christians is the resurrection of our bodies. So here's what I'd like you to do. If you have that piece of paper right across the top of it, living hope, living hope, and then put down to the side of your paper, number one and number two. This morning, we're wrapping up our, uh, our last message in this series through the Apostles' Creed, this ancient document, a statement of Christian belief that early Christians centuries ago put together to define what true Christianity is, to answer the question, what is authentic Christianity. And so they brought together these essential truths that, that, that together are the Christian faith. And there's one final statement there that we're gonna look at here this morning which talks about this inheritance that belongs to us. That final statement in the Apostles' Creed says this, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. What does it mean to, to believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting? That's what we're gonna look at here this morning. So by number one, I'd like you to write the inheritance of a resurrected body. The inheritance of a resurrected body. Did you know that the Bible says that what happened to Jesus when he was raised from the dead will also happen to us? we will experience that exact same resurrection. Paul talks about this further in Philippians chapter three, verses 20 and 21, when he says, our citizenship is in heaven. 
We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You hear what he said? A day is coming when Christ returns where our lowly bodies, what we inhabit right now, will be transformed into a glorious body just like his. Now, I don't know about you, but I think many of us, we tend to think of our destiny as Christians as a kind of a disembodied spirit, maybe up in the clouds with a white robe, playing a harp, maybe eating Philadelphia cream cheese. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder maybe if our picture of the future is, is uh, more from Hollywood than it is from the Bible. But you know what? The Bible doesn't say that we uh, are gonna end up in our destiny as disembodied spirits or as angels. We don't become angels. The Bible makes clear that God's plan for us is that we will have a resurrected body, a glorious body. I mean, that's such good news. The good news is Jesus didn't just come and die on the cross and rise from the dead to redeem our spirits so that our spirits could reside with God. It's better than that. The good news is that Jesus came and died and rose again so that our very bodies, our whole selves as human beings might be redeemed, might be restored. And, and we wonder kind of what, what that means, what, what that would look like. What would it look like for us to have bodies that were free of the stain of sin, free of, of corruption and weakness and decay? And they even had that, that question there in Paul's time, and he addresses that in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. He says, some, some of you might ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Well, what's that going to look like anyway? He says, how foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or or of something else. And and so what Paul is saying is, you can't even fathom or understand what that's going to look like. Just like a seed, a sunflower seed, before it's planted in the ground and becomes a sunflower, can't imagine what it's going to be. He says, what we do know is that these bodies that God will give us will be glorious. And we don't know how that's all gonna happen. You know, at some points in church history, those that persecuted Christians when they killed them would sometimes separate their body parts and bury them in different places or maybe burn their bodies so there's nothing left, just kind of in the hopes that if this whole resurrection thing ever happened, there would be no way for this body coming back to life. But what Paul says is it doesn't work that way, okay? God in, in, in his power will, in ways we cannot understand now that are outside of our categories, will give us new bodies, resurrected bodies, free from disease and weakness and decay, free from distorted appetites and cravings. You know, Paul talks about that, how he wrestled with those bodily appetites in Romans 7, verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who's gonna rescue me from this body? He's talking about his physical body that is subject to death. Earlier he had said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we all know what that's like, just to battle these appetites, food, sexual appetites, Maybe battling kind of addictions. Can't, we just can't kick the, the craving for, for cigarettes. I don't know what it is for you, right? But we battle, we wrestle with these distorted um, appetites and cravings. Paul talks about that and he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. A day is coming, he says, when we're gonna be delivered from all of that, God is gonna redeem our bodies, And it's going to be glorious. But until then, we live in these lowly bodies, right? Full of decay. Paul says this, Romans 8 verses uh, 22, 23. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the the redemption of our bodies and so he's saying that as we await 
these glor- this glorious future, the resurrection of our body, until then we groan. We groan, and, and some of you, you know, you know, we all know what this is like. I mean, if we're over the age of 25, sorry to say it, but you're on the downhill. If I asked some of you to stand up right now, it would involve grunting and groaning, and hey, I'm even 38, and, and I'm starting to have a, a tougher time um, jogging. Right? It takes, takes me a little bit uh, more time to do things. I'm not as fast as I used to be. Maybe my mind isn't even as sharp as it used to be. I mean, there's things about me that, that hurt and that get sore that, that never used to happen that way. And the reality is, all of us in our bodies and in our minds, we are in bondage to decay. Um, and maybe that's a slow, gradual decay that we don't even notice. Or, or, or maybe it's something more obvious and significant. You know, there's, and, and, and that decay uh, takes many different forms, right? I, there's a man, one of the best people I know, and his body's just racked with Parkinson's disease. And, and I see him, and he's, and he's hunched over in pain, and his body trembles, and he shuffles along, and he has to live with this day by day. And, and the sad thing is, you know, the back is, is not gonna get any straighter, and, 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 and the tremoring isn't gonna get any better barring a miracle of God. It's, it's gonna get worse because that's the way these lowly bodies work. And, and, and we might, I mean, it's such a sad thing and we, we might even feel like, why all this suffering? I mean, why all this suffering, God? And I think we as Christians, sometimes we put too much emphasis on the here and now. You know, we're, we just, we're people of convenience in this world, aren't we, Right? If, if we have to be in a drive-thru and we order something and it takes 90 seconds to get our meal, we're kind of ticked off, aren't we? And we, we order off of Amazon. If you've got Prime, it comes the next day. How do they even do that? Nobody knows, but there it is the next day. So, so we're people that are just used to kind of convenience, fulfillment. And in the Christian life, I think sometimes we, we kind of feel like we, we ought to be experiencing all the fruits of, of our salvation the fulfillment of our salvation right here and now. But, but that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is a life of hope, which is to say it's a life of future goodness. It's, it's a life of yearning for something better, the thing that we know is coming. That's the Christian life. It's a life of, of hope for this inheritance. And, and if we're just so focused on the present and the fulfillment in the present, we can get really discouraged in life and in our faith, wondering why this is all happening right now. But God calls us to hope. He says, I have this great inheritance which is kept for you. Don't be discouraged. Press on. So, so what this great inheritance of, of a resurrected body means is that uh, for all of us, all of us, no matter who we are, um, our best days are not behind us. Our best days are ahead of us. Isn't that an awesome truth, church? For every single one of us, no matter how old or young you are, or how sick you feel, or how well you feel, it's true that our best days are ahead of us, not behind us, because our hope is a living hope. We have the inheritance of a resurrected body through Jesus Christ. All right, number two. Beside number two, I want you to write inheritance of a renewed home. Inheritance of a renewed home. So we say in the creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body and in the life everlasting. Now, we don't normally say it that way, do we? The life everlasting. We normally talk about and hear everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but should have, say it with me, everlasting life. Okay? So when we hear everlasting life, I don't know what you, what you normally think of. We might think of just an endless existence. Kind of just life that keeps on going forever. That's um, what uh, kind of two well-known atheists, skeptics thought. I think their names were uh, Fred Hoyle 
Bertrand Russell, when they were asked about this idea of eternal life, they just thought it was a horrible idea. They just thought that that endless life would, would just be so boring. They just couldn't imagine how human existence could be made permanently interesting and worthwhile. Eventually, it would just get boring, endless existence. But when we say we believe in the life everlasting, that's not what we're talking about, just endless existence. It's not we believe in our life everlasting. We believe in the life, a very specific sort of life. You know, there's a series of movies called Back to the Future. Don't know if you've seen them. I've, I've never actually seen any of them. But if you could give the Bible a title, I think a great title for the Bible might be Forward to the Beginning. Forward to the to the beginning, because the Bible really is the story of God's plan um, as it unfolds through history and, and is fulfilled in Jesus, God's plan to restore this broken world, to restore this, this world that has been broken by sin, this world that isn't subject to corruption and decay all the effects of sin. God's plan through Jesus is to restore not just our souls, to restore not even just our bodies, but to restore all of creation, to restore the world he has made to himself, to the way he created it to be, to set all things right. We get a vision for this future. John shares it with us at the very end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 to 5. Uh, John says this. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, so there he's talking about the future. This, this, this end state to which God is bringing everything. A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. What is God doing? He's making everything new. That's his plan. To restore the world. So we're all curious. What is heaven going to be like? What is it going to be like? And many books have been written by people who supposedly have been there and have come back to tell us something about it. But we're all curious what, it, what it's going to be like, and, and we can't really know or even comprehend, but, but what John tells us is, is, is it's going to be a new earth. It's something that we know, but something far better than we know, and in this place, there's going to be leisure and working and activity and worship and relationship, perfect harmony in relationship with one another and perfect harmony in re relationship with God and we're gonna be in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior forever and we're gonna enjoy this renewed earth free from the stain of decay and sin forever and ever and ever. A place of endless joy. I love that picture. You know, it's a different picture than I think many of us have of, of heaven. You know, I think sometimes, again, we've watched too many movies. We think of heaven as, as, as a place where we stand in a, in, in a choir, in a robe, and, and we just take shifts in this eternal, heavenly choir, right? And maybe there's some clouds there, and everything is just made of gold, and it's just very unearthly. You know, my friend in... Um, uh, I think junior high, his last name was Godfrey, which might have been a fairly appropriate name. Uh, he, he thought that my faith was kind of silly. I remember him telling me, oh man, who would want to go to heaven? That sounds lame. I want to go to hell. That, that's where all the fun happens. And, and that's what, what he thought, because he had a certain vision of what heaven might be like. And, and maybe some of us, we have a, a vision that really falls short, that, that we might even think is less exhilarating in some way than what we know in this life. And, and maybe we kind of feel that way because we read things like this in Revelation 21 as 
Uh, Verse 18, as John describes this new heaven and new earth and and uses language uh, like this. Revelation 21, 18, he says, the the city in in this heaven, the wall was made of jasper and the city was made of pure gold as pure as glass. I don't know what you think when you hear that sort of description. I don't know, do I want to live in a place that walls are made of jasper and streets of gold? Like that sounds kind of slippery. You're not gonna fall, hurt ourselves. Are we gonna be walking on streets of gold? What, what I want us to understand is, 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 is this vision of heaven is, is described. It, it's really a feeble human attempt to try to describe something that's indescribable. To try to, to, to capture in just a small way the magnificence of this place. But it's beyond our ability to comprehend. As uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, he says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. What God has prepared for us in heaven, this home, that awaits us, this inheritance, is beyond anything we can possibly imagine because we just have no way to comprehend that. We cannot visualize heaven's life no matter how hard we try. And so maybe the wise person shouldn't even try to do that. What we know is that this life everlasting, this heaven is not a place of less. It is a place of more. It is a place of infinitely more. It's the best you can imagine but better, better. How does that make you feel that that awaits you? This inheritance, this new home, this renewed earth that we will get to share with one another and with God forever and ever and ever. God is redeeming the world That is our inheritance. This life, this life everlasting is our hope. Now, when I say our, what what do I mean by our? Our hope, our inheritance. Well, what is an inheritance? An inheritance is, is, is something that an owner chooses to do, right? An owner chooses to give something to someone else to give an inheritance. Or you're probably not gonna get anything from my dad, right? And you have, no, you, you have no right to it. You can't demand it. And you know what? Neither I might not get anything from my dad. I, I mean, there's some people, they split it evenly between their kids. There's others, they give it all to some televangelist. The, 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 there's, there's others that, 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 that give it to their pet dog, Rusty, right? I mean, people do all sorts of things with their inheritance. It's theirs. They can do with it Whatever they choose, that's how an inheritance works. You and I, we, we have no right, we can make no demand on this life. It's a choice um, by the one who owns it in, to, in whom to give it. Uh, and, and so I'd like us to hear the words of Jesus. In John chapter 11, Jesus is... Uh, at a funeral, he's, he's uh, arrived three days after his friend Lazarus has been put into the ground. And uh, the family and the friends there who are mourning, they're just, they're beside themselves, they're despairing, they're without hope. And Jesus comes and he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. There's those words we say we believe in. I believe in the resurrection of the body. I believe in the life everlasting. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, Jesus says, those things belong to me. And I can give them to whoever I choose. And to whom does Jesus choose to give this life? this resurrection, this inheritance. Well, he says in these words, he says, I give them to the one who believes. The one who believes in me will live 
even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. They will have my resurrection. They will experience my life everlasting. The one who believes in me. The one who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who are watching, this is really good news for all of us. What this means is that we all have this incredible gift that all we have to do is receive. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. All of us have the same access to this inheritance because it's a gift that, that God gives to any who believe in what he has done for them through his son, Jesus. This is good news. Like th- th- This good life ahead, th- th- this greatest life is not something that we secure that we earn through, through trying to live a good life of our own. No, it's a gift to sinners like you, like me, to receive through faith in Jesus who did all of the work, who was perfectly good on our behalf. Jesus says, I will give it to any who put their faith in me. That's good news. And so Jesus closed with, Uh, that question he says I am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die then he asked this question do you believe this now that's a question really for each and every one of us do you believe that that Jesus is the resurrection and the life have you put your faith in him have you received this gift Maybe you're not sure. Maybe today is the day that you receive that greatest gift, that you receive that inheritance, that you receive that living hope. Maybe you're someone who, who has no hope. You're hopeless. Maybe you're experiencing despair in life. Maybe you have no idea what your future holds. Maybe today's the day that you need to receive this new birth that Jesus wants to do in you that you might receive this living hope. I wonder if, if there's some of you out th- there this morning that, that need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. How do you do that? I just want to put a prayer up on the screen here. And, and the great thing about this is if you need to pause this video just to read this, to digest this, to ask yourself, do I believe this? Can I pray this? Is, is, is this the desire of my heart? There's no magic words in talking with God to express our faith in him and uh, our um, repentance of our sins but but here's a prayer that you could pray and in praying this prayer the promise of God if if this comes from your heart he will forgive your sins and, and he will give you this incredible inheritance and you will receive today this living hope so you might want to just press pause you might want to give that some thought maybe you want to pray that prayer and listen if you do uh why don't you just reach out sending uh us a message to our church facebook page a private message or an email to let us know that this is a prayer that you've prayed or, or maybe you just want some help in, in relationship with God. You, you want to find this hope. Just, I just encourage you to reach out to us. We would love to help you grow in your relationship with God. So if you need to pause, do that right now. Well, church, today is Easter. Jesus is alive He's risen from the dead. He has become for us living hope. Hope is a good thing. It might be the best thing. So my question for you is, if this is true, if if we have this incredible inheritance waiting for us, kept safe for us, inheritance that will never uh, perish, spoil, or fade, what does that mean for how you live your life today? What does that mean for how you feel about life today. What difference does this living hope make for you? Because Jesus Christ is alive, we have this incredible inheritance. We have this amazing future. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Now, you know, there was actually one final word uh, in the Apostles' Creed, and it's the word amen. It closes with that word, amen, which is just a Greek word, which which means literally, truly, yes, 
May it be so, and it's an expression of confidence and commitment. Amen. So at the end of all of these statements of our belief, we say, amen. Yes. And so um, we're going to read uh, the, the Apostles' Creed one final time here together, and, and it's going to finish with that word, amen. And then the team is going to lead us in one final song. Uh, called Jesus Messiah. And there's a line in that song where we actually address Jesus and we say this, all our hope is in you, Jesus. All our hope is in you. So as we just declare that to Jesus in a moment, let's make that our prayer. Let's make that, that song, that prayer, our amen together as we express our hope in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Okay, why don't you stand Right where you're at, join me and stand. And together, uh, we're going to read the Apostles' Creed one final time. Let's declare our faith together before we sing. Join me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, thank you, Rusty, for sharing what, uh, what God has laid on your heart and what a reason to celebrate. He is risen and he is risen indeed. Why don't we sing one more song together? i 
so much for spending the time with us and worshiping with us this morning. Uh, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Go and have a fantastic week, and we will see you next Sunday.